joy and bootstraps the podcast that you really need helping my black community good vibes good energy black joy and bootstraps talk financial literacy love and education want to see my people elevated Hello and welcome to another episode of Black Joy and Bootstraps. I am your host Felicia Jimenez and I am on today with my boy. Y'all, I'm so excited about this. Like, I feel like this is going to be great. So I'm kind of excited. I don't want to hype it up too much, but I'm a little excited. So I got my boy Terry Riley on the call with us today. Um, Terry, can you say what's up for the folks? What's up, man? It's it's such an honor to uh, to be on the podcast. You know, I'm a huge fan of Black Joy and Bootstraps, rocking the merch. Like, it's it's been incredible watching um, your transformation and the growth of the podcast from the beginning to where it is now. Oh. And I'm, hey, I'm just, it's, I'm excited. I'm just as excited to be on, on the show. Well, I'm excited for everything. Like, first of all, thank you. But I'm so excited about everything we're going to talk about because, y'all, today... Ooh, baby, we're going to talk about code switching. Everything and all things code switching. And what I've learned is a lot of us, we code switch all the time and we don't even know what it is. So I want to start out by just defining it, right? Because we got to get that out there. Like, what is code switching? Uh, oh, and for those of you who don't know, Riley and I work together. Riley is assistant principal. Riley, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself before I get to go? And then I'm like, code switching, code switching. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> For sure, man. Uh, like you said, we're, we we both work uh, in the same school district. I have been in education going on 11 years now. I started off um, an English teacher. I taught sixth and seventh grade writing and then moved into um, administration in 2015. And so I've been an assistant principal at both the middle school and the high school levels. So um, a lot of code switching has gone on between that time. So Ooh. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, Riley, also, Riley, you're going to need to tell us about that beautiful family, too, and quit playing. Oh, oh man. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, man, me and my beautiful wife, we actually moved down here uh, to the Mesquite area in 2009 when we graduated with our master's. Both went to Stephen F. Austin. Um, we have four amazing kids. Uh, they all go um, uh, to the Mesquite School District. Sky. Uh, is in seventh grade. Ace is in third. Major is in the pre k program. And then my baby girl, Dream, she just turned three on March 16th. Um, and she's actually just staying at home with my mom right now because we, during this pandemic, you know, you can't be too careful. Listen, and a whole panoramic. Listen, so <laughs> y'all, when I tell y'all, I just love, I love Riley. I love his whole family. They are, you sh- y'all need to see that pictures. After we're done with this episode, y'all already know, go ahead, Facebook stalk them because all their pictures look and smell like cocoa butter and shea butter and black joy and happiness. So anyway, let's get on to the subject. Uh, let's talk about code switching, Riley, because you know, <laughs> and I brought yeah. Riley on in particular, y'all, because Riley and I, um, we have very different feelings on this, but they boil down to the same. And that's, it's kind of, it, y'all will see throughout the episode, but it's kind of an interesting dynamic uh, where we both stand on this. So what is code switching? Um, Riley, do you want to start? What's code switching? What does it even mean? Man, I'll tell you, like, I, I think, I think my first experience and all of our first experiences with code switching is, is probably similar when uh, a bill collector calls and then your mom will get on. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you you hear a voice that you never heard before. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, like <laughs> that ain't you. You you was just yelling at me to come get these clothes out the living room. Just cussing us out. <laughs> like, I think that's kind of like our first introduction is uh, is just a complete switch up from how we normally do things. Um, and and you know that's like I said, that was my first experience. So um, I think code switching is is just you're switching from one culture to a different culture. And and really what I look at it as is it's like a, a survival tactic. It's just, it's it's like that fight that kind of like that fight or flight mode. You, you just get into that survival mode and those instincts kick in. And so what you start to do is you mimic the dominant culture. Absolutely. You mimic what's going on in the dominant culture. And so. Um, I think it's one of those key things in order to, to be successful in specific realms. So, um, I mean, it's a, it's a tool like everything else. It's a tool that you can use in order to be the best you can be. I think. Oh my gosh. You just went into so much. This is like all my, you just answered all my questions. We can end the episode now. Go and put the outro music. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but really, so 
what we know about code switching is that it, it is the switch, like you said, between two languages, right? When we're at the house and we're like, girl, ain't nobody finna be playing with you too. I am not about to play with you today, right? Like, because, and, and just like you said, when our when our parents get on their phone call, they go from screaming at us, yelling at us, cussing us out to, hello, yes, yeah, speaking, right? And we're like, yes. I know, good. Is anybody looking at this? Like, somebody come look at this, right? Because we are super confused. But this is the way, and, and I need people as you're listening to understand that today is not a knock on how black people have had to survive. Today is to show you how we do it, right? Um, and to validate that black folks out here, we are resilient, right? And we are mm-hmm. incredible. And these are the things that we've had to do. So Riley, tell me, why do you think we even code switch? Like, I know you, I know you hit on it, but like, why do we do it? Like, what are we doing? That's, that's that's a great question. I think uh, when when we talk about um, in terms of code switching, a lot of times what happens is people equate the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you behave with intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and a lot of times, if you aren't able to to code switch and, and move back and forth between the two dynamics, people look at you as less than mm-hmm. and and devalue you. And so I think that's definitely where it comes from. Um, and even even now, like you'll have you'll have people who will for for whatever reason, like if they see you in a different light, if they see you when you're not code switching, it can it'll it'll taint the way that they they feel you. But it's like the the same intelligence and the same thought process still goes on in my mind. It doesn't. It's just I'm I'm more comfortable over here mm-hmm. in this. And so you're going to see me let my guard down, so to speak. Absolutely. And I feel, too, especially when when we don't have to code switch, because um, and this is what I wanted to get into. Let me ask you this yes or no question, Riley. Do you code switch? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Right. Um, (laughs) And so this is where Riley and I this is one of the things that we differ on a little bit, but not too much. And let me explain why. So um, do you feel, Riley, that code switching is important? Yes. Why? I feel that code switching is important because I think that, just like you said earlier, it is a different language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you learn how to speak that language, it can open up more doors for you mm-hmm. than if you don't learn how to speak that language. Like, it could be extremely hard for you to progress and um, and hit higher levels of success if you can't cross over to... Um, to communicate with the with the mainstream culture or with the dominant culture uh, is is probably a better word to use. Yeah. And if you don't pick up that skill, then then you're lacking. Like I said, people will judge you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see it all the time. Like even with um, with 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 students, mm-hmm. like when they come in, if if you're a person that can speak their language, they drop their guard and they're more comfortable with you, and they and they they're able to talk to you. But then at the same time, when if they uh, if you haven't established that um, and that's why I say this is a skill, if you haven't established that level where they see you as like, mm-hmm. oh, OK, you 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 understand the culture that I'm coming from. Like you you speak the same language that I speak. If they don't under, if they don't see that in you, then they will they can say that that's fake or they'll say that you're fake. You know, mm-hmm. like that, that's one of the reasons why I. I feel like it's such a uh, uh, an important skill. This is a crazy thing about uh, code switching is if you do it well and you're able to like be successful, then like one of those things is like when you go back into your element and people may have not hit that same level of success, then they'll say like you've changed or you're an Uncle Tom or mm-hmm. you and and what they don't realize is you're the you're that same person. You've just learned how to adapt in a different arena, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, absolutely. So that's why I think it's it's so important. So I cannot say that I don't code switch, right? Like, I usually do. I say, I don't code switch for nobody. I'm not code switching. I'm done. I'm done with that life, right? But mm. it is impossible to not code switch at some point, right? Like, regardless as to who you're talking to, like, even if I'm like, for example, Riley knows I talk the same way in front of my main boss, as I do him. Like, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I'm finna be me. I'm a whole English teacher. You think I don't know how to speak standard American English? You think I don't know how to write and type and da 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 standard American English? Like, duh. Like, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. But I'm still done talking like that, right? And so... Yeah. 
while I feel, and this is what I love um, y'all about Riley and I's relationship is that so much of it is um, lived in, well, you do this and I do that. And there's so much respect given to both of us, right? Because sometimes people go, oh, well, you know, I, I don't like that because that's ghetto and that's bringing us down. And when you talk to, when you talk like that, it makes all of us look ignorant. But Riley, you know, and both of us are like, mm, I think we need both, right? I think we need the Michelle Obamas and I think we need the Cardi B's. And I think we got the Michelle Obamas that are jamming to the Cardi B's. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we got the Cardi B's that are like, I ain't never going to be Michelle, but I love her though. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like we have to, instead of looking at each other as a sellout or oh, you know, that, that, that's, that's ghetto, that's beneath me, we say, but we all need it, though. Mm-hmm. And, and let me just say this, too, about code switching, uh, because this is what, this is something that taught me as an English teacher. Um, and for those of you who deal with kids on any basis, especially those, and let me define that, too. When we say standard American English, right, we are talking about what the majority of black people have to code switch into. When we say, when we go from, I ain't finna go to no stove because I'm tired, to, you know, if we're talking to someone white or, you know, we say, um, well, I'm actually not going to go to the store because I'm very tired right now, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the code switch. When are talking about standard American English, it is the standard that people use to say, oh, this person speaks well. This yes. is what, and quote unquote, correct English, right? Yes. Um, but whenever we are talking about slang or ebonics or whatever it is, um, now it is known as AAVE or African American Vernacular English. Now, mm-hmm. I got to tell you this quick story. So um, my first year teaching four years ago, I think it was, um, you know, listen, if is it even my podcast, y'all, if I don't reference black Twitter at least once? Like, is it even black Joanne bootstraps? Are you even listening to me? So. Um, four years ago, I get on Twitter and I think somebody had just like reposted it, but it was a linguistics coach. Um, and she was talking about African-American vernacular English. That was my first time ever hearing it. Like mm-hmm. up to this point, I had heard slang. I had heard Ebonics. I lit ghetto. You know what I'm saying? I'd heard the way we speak refer to everything, but something that sounded academic and incredible. Does that make sense? Like something that mm-hmm. sounded like educational. So she she was talking and she said that we need to understand that AAVE is an actual language, that it Mm. has rules, that there are um, ways that even if you try to speak in AAVE, and we know because people try to appropriate um, our language all the time, and then we're like, that ain't how that work. You sound Mm -hmm. ridiculous, right? You put the B in the wrong spot. We're not doing this, right? So we have created a language that works, that has rules. And so she was saying um, that a lot of people like to tell students, uh, it's not, I ain't going to do that, right? It's, I'm not going to do that. You said that wrong. And mm-hmm. I remember being that teacher and I was so embarrassed reading this because she said, we should be teaching our, our kids, not that what they're saying is wrong, but that there's a different way to say it and teach them how to code switch so that mm-hmm. when they get into this world that judge them based on, just like you said, Riley, how they talk, how they look, how they dress, all of that, that they can code switch into whatever it is that they need, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And so I thought that was like a crucial, like she was like, stop telling kids that how they speak is wrong because you're telling them that their culture is wrong, that who they are is wrong, how their parents speak is wrong. You're telling them everything about themselves is wrong, everything that they know. So instead we have to say, oh, let me teach you another way. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you another way to say this. And this is what you would use in, you know, perhaps certain situations. So uh, I, I think another way of looking at it, too, um, is when we talk about ELL learners and mm-hmm. language, like when you when you come across a, uh, an immigrant that is learning English, they speak broken English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's the same way with our vernacular. It's like when we come into the, the schools, like especially if you haven't had a parent that, like my mom used to always get on to us. Like I ain't, she, when we say same, I ain't, same. ain't, ain't, ain't. Like so... It was it was different, but you know, not everybody had that. Mm-hmm. And so and and so in my house I already knew like there's a certain way that you can talk when you at home. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to school, there's also a different way that you that you have to talk. And so I think growing up, I was looking for those patterns. Like mm-hmm. I would I, I just innately look for, okay, this is how I speak when I'm here. Okay, this is how I can how I can talk and I can let my guard down when I'm here. But if you think about that that broken language, 
um, when when it's an, an immigrant, it's easier to accept. But when it's a kid that was born here, raised here, grew up here, they're still speaking that broken that broken English. But it's not it's not easy. It's it's just like oh well, they're not intelligent or they can't comprehend or they don't understand when it comes to to uh to speaking and writing in in certain cases and so i think that it's important like i like we said from the beginning is like it's such an important skill to learn and for kids to understand that that this is just another tool that you can use in order to uh be as as successful as you want to be you know as opposed to i'm giving up something um if I learn this, learn to speak this way, or if I start talking like this, people going to think differently of me. But uh, I think, and I think growing up and being in, like I was in um, the GT or the gifted and talented classes. So with that, there were two different, um, two different groups that I had to navigate, so to speak. So I would be over here with this group in school. And then once the bell rang, I'm back at my um, cousin's house and we in the hood. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like I learned to like I can I have to talk this way or be this way over here. And then when I get home, I can, like I said, let my guard down and kind of be be myself, so to speak. So I, I, I just think it's important for people to realize that with with our vernacular and with our language, it's not. um it's not quote unquote broken English. It's just a different style of English. Right. And oh gosh, I got so much to say based on what you just said because all of that was so good. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to start with the beginning, kind of how you talked about um, you know, people being less considerate of the fact that right, we've been here since slavery. Right. When we're talking mm-hmm. about African descendants of slave, we've been here since slavery, but yet we still talk the way we do. And one of the um articles, you know, that we were and I, I sent it to you, right? The black it's called Black Kids or ELL two. Oh uh, yes, yes. Or English language learners for those of you that are not familiar with what ELL is. It just means someone who is learning English, um, that it's their second language. So E L L S. Uh, right. She went all the way back to slavery, all the way back to the slave ships. In this article, Miss um, Sharifa Mason, mm-hmm. and she's talking about how uh, again she goes all the way back to slavery and how we were taken not speaking English and then we had to learn English um mm. and th- again it speaks to the resilience of blackness right like you took us from some somewhere you took us from our home you you brought us to this country you did not formally teach us this language and we still somehow taught ourselves to communicate um mm-hmm. and and then when we began to be formally educated, we still came from descendants who were not formally educated. So even now in 2001, we are speaking this language that is comfortable for us, that we yes. have taught ourselves in this mm-hmm. country since y'all, since you brought us over here, right? And um, she talks about how black kids probably need ELL classes too, because we are learning a language that is different from the one that we tend to speak at home. Right. Mm-hmm. And gratefully, like you said, you had a mom that was like, we ain't saying ain't. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. did, too. My mom, we didn't even really get to talk slang and talk how we wanted to until we were like an age where my mom saw that we could distinguish between the two. Does that make sense? Where my mama was like, like you had a whole different style when you were with your friend. Bet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when my mom and then we could start talking like that at home when my mama was like, oh, Okay, I can see that you can go between the two, yes. right? That yes. that's also to be honest and to be fair when we started being able mm-hmm. to use the word nigga too cuz my mama was not on board with that, you know. But then later on she was like, "Ah, they use it, I'll use it." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like and yeah. and, and that's kind of how it was. Like we even shifted my mom to using it, you know. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something that's interesting too, Riley. Uh when I was studying for my English exam to be a teacher, I learned uh the difference between pigeon Creole and a language. Did you did you ever learn those things? No, no, not no. Okay, let me just drop y'all some knowledge real quick. Cause I was sitting there reading this book like, hold up. Cause I yeah. knew when I was in college, a lot of my friends from Africa, a lot of these different African countries would speak pidgin to each other. Like even if they're from mm-hmm. Nigeria and got like they they could speak pidgin. And I was like, this is crazy. So pigeon, and it is not spelled like the bird. It is P-I-D-G-I-N. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, but it's pronounced just like the bird pigeon, right? So when you're speaking pigeon, it is when two different languages, for example, 
in Africa, they had to learn pidgin because slave owners would come to Africa and they needed to communicate with the Africans. Or when they um, colonized those countries, they needed to be able to speak to each other. So pidgin um, is the, the mix of two languages. Uh, mm-hmm. And this kind of like, which is why when you hear someone speak pidgin as an American, you can catch on to like every fifth or sixth word. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's English, but not English at all, because it's a mixture of whatever country that person came from and that native country. Right. Yeah. So pidgin is the mix of two is the mix of two languages so that they can get enough to be able to communicate now. Creole is when that language is adopted as the country's language. Does that make sense? So once it's adopted as this is our official first language, everybody's going to learn this. This is what we speak now. That's when it becomes Creole. Right. That's when it becomes an official language. And once it's recognized, then it becomes a language. But I Mm -hmm. didn't know that at first. So pigeon Creole. But. I mean, so many people, there's Hawaiian p- pigeon, there's you know, like yeah. African pigeon, there's all these different pigeon languages. Uh, what, uh, uh, Patois. Patois, when... right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and so, and Creole has to derive from like French or Spanish, like all, it, it's, it's a whole thing, but I was shocked even learning more about my own language, AAVE, learning standard mm-hmm. American English, and then learning about pigeon and Creole, I was like, damn, like I'm out here like... <laughs> There's just so much that people don't know, and they love to make you feel ignorant if you speak pidgin, if you speak patois, if you speak creole. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think it was Candy and uh, uh, how to be an anti-racist when he when he talked about uh, the English language, and he was like, basically, it's it's a uh, a bastardized derivative of Latin, right? And like he just kept going, like American English is is bastardized uh, language of of uh, European English. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and he just kept going. And so basically that was his explanation of, of like your, your English language isn't even like the official English, you know, like it's yeah. all, all been derivative. So how can you say that, um, that African-American vernacular is not a derivative of, of English. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of those things. And I think um, kind of going back to what you said about, um, code switching and going back and forth between the two. I think the the biggest the biggest reason why we do it and where it comes from is judgment. Mm-hmm. Like people, they judge you. They tend to judge you, and like I said, put you in a box based off of um, the way you speak. Um, I saw one of my friends on Facebook. Um, she posted about code switching when uh, like being from Texas and being from the South and having that, that Texas twang. And when you get but when you get on the phone or get in front of people that, that y'all goes away or oh, that, yeah. those, those Texas things that you, that you have, that tends to go, to go away. Um, and this is one, one of my wife friends. And I think that that is a form, so to speak, but I think the difference between like black, Hispanic and minorities is for us, it's not just the language mm-hmm. that you have to switch up you you may have to switch up the clothes that you're wearing you may have to switch up um how you wear your hairstyle you know what i mean like black women went through this whole um movement to where now it's 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 more acceptable to wear your fro uh in the workplace and even still you hear you know you you hear articles and and um incidents of where a, a, a black woman's hair is looked at as um, unprofessional, yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All of those things come into play. And, um, and, and in cases like that, that's when, that's when that fight or flight kicks in. That's mm-hmm. when you're like, man, do I, do I want to strip myself of my identity just so I can work here or be around these people or, um, uh, progress in my career or, or can I, stay true to, to, to myself. So it's a, it's a constant give and take when you're, when you're doing code switch and that's what makes it so exhausting. Oh yeah. Because literally we're, we're talking about language, right? But you're right. Like sometimes we have to code switch out of our whole culture just to Mm. be recognized and acknowledged as someone who is worthy of being respected. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have to tell this quick story because you got on hair. You already know what story I'm about to tell. (laughs) (laughs) 
Y'all, one day Riley and I, we're in the hallway having a discussion, right? We're talking, 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 da, 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 going back and forth. And then one of our coworkers walks up to me. Y'all had a whole sew-in. I don't even think y'all understand. Beautiful sew-in. Okay, she comes up, puts her hands in deep, y'all. Like, she's giving me a deep scalp massage almost. And she puts her hands in my hair. And I, y'all, when I tell y'all my neck turned so fast, I I almost gave myself whiplash. Do y'all hear me? I turned my head so fast. I said, oh, we don't touch people's hair. So... <laughs> no. Y'all... And we- conversation with her like a whole conversation and then the crazy thing is like the next day she touched my hair y'all know everything we just talked about destroy everything and the funny part y'all is like she did it so fast and then she walked away after i like jerked my head and was like we don't touch people's hair she was like oh and then she just she walked up yo it was so quick she was like the flash do you hear me like we need to nickname her barry allen because it was really out of out of it was out of pocket anyway so riley is sitting there staring at me y'all his mouth is wide open like he was like yo in all actuality like that was my first time experience like I've I've heard black women talk about uh getting their hair touched and, and you know like and feeling that's, like that's exactly oh. what you said. <laughs> yeah. Like cause it's cause it's like you hear about stories like, oh yeah, they think they can just come up and, and touch like it's like your body don't belong to you, that kind of thing. And then we you know, we got into, you know, it's hair, like it's 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 your it's it's on your body, so you don't know how clean it is, how clean their hands are, different things like that. But like I said, like that was my first time experiencing that. And it, that's why my mouth was open. It was like, oh, this really is happening. Now. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, Felicia, I, I promise you, I never thought nobody was lying. My wife always tells me this, but I ain't never yeah. seen it in real life. Like, he was so shook. And I'm sitting there livid. He livid and shocked. We were, he had to have a whole conversation with her because, you know, he, um, you know, he higher up. He wanted the APs, so. So he has to, like, talk, bring her in, have this conversation with her baby. Like he said, the next day, she touched, like, two, your hair and another one of our co-workers' hair after that. I was like, was like wait a minute, we got to sit down. Like, like <laughs> you got to stop this. Like, the conversation had to switch up at that point. It's like, okay, listen. Like, the cold switch went out the window. Yeah, after that. it's a wrap. Like, you finna get the real Riley up in here today. Let's, let's, let's talk real quick. Yeah. Like, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was really crazy, y'all. But it goes back to that, like, you know, I had the option after that to go now. Damn, do I want to just straighten my hair? Right. Like, do like because this is what if I is my if my hair is straight like yours, you know, if mm-hmm. I just take all the ancestral curls out of this hair, which is really crazy mm-hmm. to me, because at the time my sewing looked a lot like her hair as well. Like she has curly hair. So I'm wondering why you up in my hair talking about Man. you love my curls anyway whatever let me get off of that before i get mad again but um, but <laughs> the question maybe but again in that moment right that fight or flight i could have yeah. completely flighted and been like from here on out i'm just gonna straighten my hair because this is where we have to acknowledge like this this is how it usually works right we gotta go now i'm gonna fight them i'm gonna wear my natural fro i'm gonna do this i'm gonna live my life or i'm gonna flight it and go it's easier for me to just survive and and flat iron my hair just straighten my hair and and straighten all the ancestors out of my hair because i can't live and be productive now you done messed up my whole day right like you done messed up i'm sitting here like why would you think that that's okay right Mm -hmm. so Going into another question, I want to know, do you think, Riley, because let's say that day I had decided to just straighten my hair, like I'm done. I'm done with this. I don't want to do it. Do you feel like people can code switch and still be true to themselves? And that's a that is a great question. I think that um it depends on what what you want, so to speak. Um if if success, if you're looking for success and you're looking to try to move up in different areas and, and that's your goal, I think yes. I think that, um, but if, you're, if your goal is to stay super close to the, the culture, I think the only way that you can do that is by like being your own boss, being an entrepreneur and go, because I mean, it's, it's no secret that our uh, workforce is predominantly white, mm-hmm. right? And so with the with the workforce being predominantly white, if you want to move up into those managerial positions, then you have to show people that you can speak a certain way, that you can dress a certain way, that you walk a certain way, that you have to show them that that 
they can be comfortable around you. And the only way to show them they can be comfortable around you is showing them that you can fit in in their circle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the biggest uh, you know, switches for me, just just in, in particular, moving from the middle school to the high school. Um, before I moved to um, Horn, all of my principals had been Black. And Interesting. so... It's very interesting. And it was a very interesting transition. <laughs> like mm-hmm. ser- because I don't think people realize the the, the cultural difference. I think I think we like fundamentally we realize it, but below the surface, like it was a huge transition, like going from where you just completely understood each other and and you understood each other's views on everything mm-hmm. to th- um, moving up to um, high school where um, the majority of, of my administrators are white, then I had to, I, I had to take a step back and, and just really kind of observe and, and find my place. Mm-hmm. Where before in the situation, like, um, you know, we, we both super outgoing, loud, you know, yeah. just life of the party when we step in there, like that, that's where I was coming from to then, now um, moving up into a, a, a different environment, a different culture, uh, and just just different uh, views, so to speak. Um, it was a it was a huge switch, and I think that um, I did kind of have a a moment of, am I still being true to myself? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like it was a it was a moment, and I and I discussed this with my wife. Like it was a moment of like man, what did you get in this for? Like, are you, do you feel like you're helping this, this group of kids? Like, that's, that's why you got in this. Like, are, what, are, what are you doing? And, and then um, there were certain things that will probably happen through the course of the year that it's like, if you aren't saying nothing, then you're complicit, so right. to speak. You know what I mean? Right. Or, or you are, um, you, when you're, when you're in that code switching mode, you feel like, man, I feel like I'm, leaning more to this side than I am staying true to myself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so it's a, um, it's a battle. I don't think that there's a, a definite answer in that. I think that if you are battling it and you are going back and forth and reflecting and talking to yourself about it, then you are being true to yourself. If, if that's a, if, if that's the, I, I mean, that's my answer, so to speak. Like, I would, I would come home. I would reflect on each situation, and I would lean, lean on my values. Right. You know, I lean values, lean on my beliefs. And um, while I would, while I was there, you know, I would try to make as much change as I can, or, or talk to people to give them a different point of view, a different side of diff- of, of things. But um, and that's a that's a tough question, especially depending, probably depending on whatever field that you're in, right. Um, the the crazy thing about working within a school district is um, you come in contact with everything because you're dealing with parents, you're dealing with students, you're dealing with teachers, and all have different views, all have different values, all have different needs. And so as administrators, we are all like, we all have people's best interest at heart. You know what I mean? Like all want the best for our students, our parents, but we have different um, ideas of the best way to go about that. And what that right? looks like. And what that looks like. And those those differ even within, you know, our races and our cultures and our beliefs. And so um, while it's, and, and the crazy, the, or the tough thing is um, not being so judgmental uh, for another person's belief especially when you feel like it's detrimental to like a specific group of kids or or a specific group of people, so to speak, because that's while you're in a fight or flight mode, they're also in like, because they're sticking to their beliefs and feeling like if, if you, if your view is different than theirs, it's like, you're, you're going against what they believe. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant battle, like a constant give and take. Um, and, And one of the things that I try to, um, I try to be mindful of is like whenever something is, whenever I'm introduced to something that uh, goes against what I believe, 
how does it make me feel? Oh. Right. And so when I'm when I'm thinking about that, I try to think about that on the other side too. It's like I'm introducing this person to a completely different view than what they've been exposed to. Absolutely. Their first instinct is going to be to reject it. You know what I mean? And so that's one of those things that I try to remember that kind of helps me be true to myself. It's like, I'm giving you the, um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this opposing view or another way to look at it. So it's up to you if you want to receive it or not. Like one of the people I follow on Instagram is, uh, Boyce Watkins. And almost every day, I think about unfollowing him. (laughs) (laughs) Like real talk, though. There's a lot of because he's he's this financial guy, and he's one of those guys that just he's he just thinks data. Like Mm -hmm. emotion, emotions never come into play. But he says some things that um, go against what I've always believed about black people. What I've believed about. um, um, impoverished people, like he says some things that I'm like, and I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I consciously um, keep him in my feed because it helps me strengthen that muscle. It helps me strengthen the muscle of getting an opposing view yeah. and not completely dismissing it. So um, I know I went everywhere with that question no, you're, it was good because it was a whole bunch of goodness wrapped up in one but you know how we do this is this, y'all this is an everyday conversation with me this is like a normal conversation we like what you finna eat for lunch anyway so let's talk about code switch for real <laughs> this is our normal so i'm used to this so if y'all ain't used to it, y'all gonna have to get used to it because y'all know how y'all already know how we do it black folks but Man. i wanted to say something too about going back to you saying um, being where we are now in the majority of the administration not being black or not looking like our student body population. I have to share with y'all this story because this is a moment of pride that I look every time I look back on this story and, I, and it's embarrassing, but it's one that I learned from. Um, and so I'm gonna share with y'all. So I think I already told you this, Riley, that I served a mission for my church and yeah. I lived. Yeah. So I lived in Baltimore for a year and a half. Uh, and we are always together in twos. So I had a companion at the time who was from Taiwan. Uh, and she taught me so much, man. When I tell you, I love this girl. Oh my gosh. She has my entire heart. I love her so much. Um, but we, at the time we were teaching a lot of Chinese families and I loved it. I was like getting to, um, learn a lot of Chinese, um, like just random sentences and how to converse and all these different things. Um, and I was learning a lot about the culture. It was my first time being what I felt was almost immersed. You know what I'm saying? In, in Asian, specifically Chinese culture. And so, I was making this dish. It was around Thanksgiving and I was making this dish for this family. Uh, I think it was around Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was around Thanksgiving. So I'm making this dish for this family and it was the way my mama always made it. Right. I I got the recipe from my mama and um, I made sure that I was going to cook it for this family because everybody loves it. Right. It's this like corn casserole dish. So Mm -hmm. as I'm making it, my companion, um, again, who is Chinese, she's Taiwanese. She's like, that's too much sugar. And I'm like, no, this is like, this is how my mama makes it. Like, this is perfect. This is how we do it. Right. Like, it's going to be so good. I'm telling you. And she's like, yes. And I bet it is. And I've been here long enough, you know, that my palate has kind of changed. But for Chinese people from China, because they were from mainland China, like had been in the States, the people that we were teaching, um, they had been in the States for like a couple years. And she was like, I'm telling you. It's it's too sweet for Chinese people. And so I just pushed back. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is really good. They're going to love it. This is my mama recipe, right? So we get mm-hmm. there, and I'm so excited to present this dish to them. They taste it, and they're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, re- they're like, no, no, no. It's really good. It's just really sweet. And I know my companion had a whole field day, right? I bet she was like, I told. Oh, is she, is she dancing? In oh, hell, hell yeah, she was. She was like, like she was doing every kind of dance she could. <laughs> I was like, I know she was Millie rocking. But anyway, so <laughs> I was like, I felt so stupid. And I was like, dang, I should have listened to you, you know? And so what I realized is anytime I am dealing with a culture that is not my own, and I have an expert, <laughs> which just mm. so happens to be from that culture. I'm going to listen to them about their lived experiences. And mm. it threw me because I was like, how could I have been so prideful as a minority doing that to another minority? Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, why That's wouldn't good. I listen to her about her own people? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, man. and so I was like, OK, let me let me take that step back. But I realized that. 
when I am dealing with other people in their cultures. And that's the thing is like, because we are so used to shrinking as black people in spaces that were not created for us, right? You're going home asking your wife, like, why did I get into this? Am I doing this right? Am I true to myself? Am I this and that? Knowing good and well who you are, whose you belong to and all of that, like white supremacy will still have you questioning yourself about how you dealing with your own people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so when we deal with this, we have to look at it and go, look, I am the, and this is not to say that I'm not saying I'm the expert of my people because all black people think one way, but I've been black long enough to know how the majority and a lot of black folks feel, right? Um, And how we interact with the world and how the world interacts with us to be able to speak on that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when people, people love to have us feel like, you know, we are inferior, but the truth is people should be learning from you uh, about your own culture, like I should have my companion at that time. So I just want to apologize again, Sister Lean, for not not listening. So <laughs> because it's 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 something that I look back on and I'm so embarrassed, and I don't want people to have that same reaction now, and where people are trying to tell you things, and you're like, no, 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 the way I've been doing this is right. This this the way my family always did it, so we good, mm-hmm. right? When there's a better way to adjust that. You know, another thing that happens is when we talk about uh, being true to yourself, is like. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the um, Asian American community right now, and you know they're they're being targeted because of the things that um, Trump said. Mm-hmm. But um, when we listen to um, Isioma, um, so you want to talk about race, mm-hmm. and she talked um, Asian Americans being the model minority, mm-hmm. right? And and how even that is a um, form of racism. Yes. And because you because when it's talking about Asians as the model minority, they're talking about a specific group of Asians. That, and most of the times they're not including, you know, Filipino mm-hmm. Pacific Islanders. Yes. And those people tend to be less well off, mm-hmm. you know, than, than the larger or than the than the top tier Asian American, which makes up a fraction of a percentage of the Asian American community, because most of them are, you know, dealing with a large um, poverty um, poverty race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poverty race. And so, but one of the things that I think about when we talk about still being true to yourself and code switching, it's like the the battle is it's like I'm I'm shifting in order to fit in here, but then I'm still not being seen or I'm still not being heard. Right. That's what that's the struggle. Like that's the struggle that 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 you constantly deal with is like when you have a um when you when you feel like you've done everything right, but you're still not making any changes, or you or or people still aren't listening to you when you when you um, when you tell them that's too much sugar, right? You know, right. And the flip side of that is like I'm I'm such a good person that I'm always thinking about it from the next person's point of view, right? Right. And so I think about even in your story, like you weren't doing that to be malicious, like you you did that because you had the best intentions for that, the, the family, like when they take you, like, I want this to be authentic. I want them to taste my mama as soon as, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so in, in other situations, that's how um, the majority or the dominant culture sees it. They see it as, as like, I know what's best for you. So I'm doing this for you instead of saying, wait a minute, let me listen to you. Tell me what's best for you. And then, I'll figure out how to how I can best help you. Right, and I, that's the um, that's that's the disconnect, so to speak. That's the disconnect between the two cultures. Is one feeling as though they know what's best, and the other telling me, "Look, I know you. I know you've dealt with us, but I am us. Right. So let me tell you what we need. That's. I think that's that's important. And I think, like I said, just to bring it full circle, I think that that fight. Or, or, or flight mode kicks in when you have um, when you have code switched and you still not being heard. That's when it, it feels like you're not being true to yourself. So let me just say this too, Riley, and I'm so glad that you brought up. Um, so it, for those of you who are not familiar, I think I've spoken about this before, but Ijomo Luo, she is uh, the author of So You Want to Talk About Race. And we did that book study and 
Riley and I and another uh, co-worker were facilitators of the book study on campus. And one of the things that you said, Riley, there has has resonated with me for a minute and I have to share it. Um, and you better be glad I just you own because I I'd probably just say it was me who said it because it was so good. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, how I feel about plagiarism. That would never be me. But <laughs> but anyway, um, you said you, you said one thing that I love to teach our kids is that, and I don't even know if you remember this, but he hit me and I was like, damn, that's, I got to use that. But you said one thing that I love to teach our kids is that I, I know that the system is built up against you, but the truth is you can use the system. You, you need to learn how to use the system and then dismantle the system. And I was mm-hmm. like, Damn! Like I was just listening. Like I couldn't even focus because we were being recorded at this time. Yeah, and like yeah. from that moment, I was like, "Bro, I ain't even got nothing to say after this." Like that was so good, you know, <laughs> teaching our kids because sometimes, again, and when I told when I tell y'all that me being able to teach my students, um, no, 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 how you talk is right. Don't ever let nobody tell you that what you said is wrong. It is correct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you say, I'm finna do this, or you ain't gonna talk to me like this, or she, do- yes, all of that is correct. Don't ever let anybody tell you that it's wrong. I am then giving them the power, right? I'm put- But I'm telling them, and I'm also empowering them by telling them, but this is also another way that you say that, right? This is how we use this system. And then when you get in the system, just like I see you do this every day, Riley, right? You said, I do code switch. So you have gotten to this position by code switching or doing, you know, by any means necessary. Mm. And then when you get there, I see the way you are able to talk to our kids in their own language, right? Mm-hmm. You get to then use AAVE and talk to them in that closed door and be like, bro, what was you thinking? I know you playing. I know you. Let me let me talk to your mama. Get your mama on the phone right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but to get to that position, you had to say you had to talk differently behind other closed doors. You know what I'm saying? To get that position. And so exactly. it is it is powerful. And I think that um, to go back to the question, uh, it, it's difficult to answer. Right. Can we be true mm-hmm. to ourselves and code switch because code switching is always survival? Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so to be true to ourselves, survival is a part of it's who we are as black people. But so this this is another question that I had too, Riley. Do yeah. you think if you had the option, right, to never code switch again, would you take it? Ooh, that's that's a uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I think uh, I think it would take a lot to be able to never code switch again. Um, and honestly, you know what? I'm gonna say. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And the reason why I'll say no is because I, um, I'm i going to switch it up and, and, and not think about, uh, you know, the dominant culture as, as white people in, in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had the ability to switch back and forth like you do with... Um, the, with speaking Spanish and 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 knowing a lot of uh, Hispanic culture, um, and you know having gone to Dominican and all of that, like if I had that ability and 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 that opportunity, I would still do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I think that it's one of those things that, um, like I say, it's a tool. It's a tool that you can use uh, in order to better your lot in life. And I think that if you are if you learn how to strengthen that tool and to use it to your advantage, then I think it's I mean, I think it's something that's that can be very beneficial on the flip side of that. I think that what happens is it's your environment that makes you feel like code switching is a hindrance. You mm, know what I mean? Mm, elaborate on that. If you're in a good environment, then and 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 you feel valued and and you're contributing and, and the team is growing and everybody's benefiting then you know it's it's a it's a good situation but if the environment is toxic then that's when you feel like man if i ain't never have to close switch again i wouldn't do it you right. know what i mean right so um so i, I think i still would i want to say this too y'all this is so petty please don't don't quote me on this y'all but i'm gonna tell y'all something <laughs> i'm gonna tell y'all the truth sometimes i code switch from aave to standard American English when somebody walks up to let them know they weren't part of the conversation at hand. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm telling you? (laughs) Like, sometimes I do it just to let them know. Like, because, and here's the thing, y'all. When we're at work... No, I'm saying I think we all do that. Yo, when we uh, be at work, y'all, 
We'll be sitting there laughing. I'm talking about cutting up. It'll be a group of four or five black folks. We ha ha ha. We he. I'm telling y'all, loud as all get out. Somebody will roll up and looks like trouble over here. Am I lying, (laughs) Riley? (laughs) Bro, every time. (laughs) That's funny, bro. I know that's so many people's experience. It's so many. Like they'll be like, "What are you troublemakers doing?" Then all the loud be like, "Ha!" For sure. None. We just hanging out. And so sometimes like I'm I'm so serious when I say this, like I'm I'm not even trying to be funny. Like actually I am trying to be funny, like because I'll I'll be funny (laughs) in that moment. (laughs) Bro, that's a TikTok waiting to happen. Like that is a TikTok waiting to happen. Listen, I'm telling you, because we sit there and we just and and people love to roll up on us and and just be like we be bro. like, bro, like we were in the middle of something so good and y'all just, what are you troublemakers or you guys, you know, and then they love to be funny. Like you guys are so loud or, you know what I'm saying? Like, tell us something. We're like, okay, bro. well, sorry that we're not looking like this, the library, like something, something we cut up in the library too. Let me stop. But <laughs> when, when we were going back and forth with the kid, when he said, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> bro. He said, he said, she said, um, she she said something. He was like, I said, what are you talking about? I I'm not doing that. Oh <laughs> like, my gosh. That, that's really how you said it. Bro, you know you like so, man, I ain't doing that. Bro. Oh my <laughs> gosh. No, this is so I gotta tell y'all this story because this is too funny. So <laughs> Riley and I, we uh, were we were talking about something, and then we step out of the office. We see one of the kids that we know. You know, he's a regular in the office. I'm not gonna lie about it. So, <laughs> so sure. we look at his officer for. We're like, "Why are you up here?" And he says, <laughs> "He says, well, the teacher rolled up behind me, and I said, man, you scared me.' <laughs> <laughs> it was a, l- a little black kid, y'all. So we look at each other, and we and y'all, we die because we like." So the teacher scared you, and you said, man, you scared me. And I was startled. I was, so the the dude is sitting there, baby, this baby boy, I probably, what he grade he in, probably ninth or 10th. He's looking at us, and he, I'm talking about y'all, he dead as straight face. He's like, yes, that's what I said. We're like, boy, we have heard how you talk in the hallways. Why is you sitting up in here acting like, who was like, bro, if you said, Damn, you scared me. Yeah. <laughs> Just say that. Like, yeah. like, oh, you gave me a fright. Like, you ain't said that. No. This boy wrote, he tried to tell us how he code switched when we didn't never hear this boy talk like this. We were like, sir. What we're not gonna do today is a lot of two black folks who talk just like you. That's not what we gonna do. Oh, you startled me. Oh my gosh. We were like, boy. So anyway, the whole time, y'all, this is the purpose of the story. There's a black receptionist there. We love her to death. We all I'm telling you, we are all in tears, y'all, laughing. He started to join in laughing too, because he knew it was a hot ass movie. He knew it was a lie. <laughs> He knew it was a lie. So he started laughing, y'all. There was a teacher there who just, she was so mad. She was not melanated. And she was just staring at us so mad. Like, why are you talking? But we was like. Like, want to join in the conversation. But she couldn't. She lacked the culture and the, and the context to be able to join in and the language, right? To be able to join in and say that. So instead, she was so salty, y'all. She was looking like Lot's wife, like from the Bible. She was so salty. She was just staring at us. And she was like, like rolling her eyes, y'all. It was so bad. But I was like, that is, again, that's the joys of code switching, right? Is like, we know when our kids lie about it. Like, we know. And, and what's so crazy in hindsight, thinking about it is like, he knew to use it in that moment. Like Absolutely. he knew, to, like he knew to say, "I can't tell him what I what I said." Said, "Yep." Let me tell him what was expected of me to say. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, he's already learning it, honestly. Yeah, and and the fact that, um, you know, if I and this is this is true. Like I have startled a student and had them say something out of pocket, not out of pocket, like at me but like damn you know and I'm mm-hmm. like oh like my bad like literally I just say my bad because I know that I just scared you I know that I rolled up mm-hmm. on you I don't know your life story I don't know why I why what I just did scared you right mm. but what I can acknowledge is first of all you know oh, man we missed a whole section of cuss words being in code switching oh Jesus <laughs> but we done, we done had y'all long enough so we can't even but but again that's another one of the things that are so cultural 
Mm-hmm. Um, that it's offensive to other people and our kids are getting sent to the office for it. And we like, I mean, you scared them. The kids said, damn, you know what I yeah. mean? Like that's, that's a normal response when someone scares you, but instead it's like, now I'm disrespected. Now you need to go to the office. And we're like, I mean, okay. And, and I appreciate the way several of our, even our administrators are like, I'm, we're, I'm, we're not doing anything with this. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, you were scared, but again, the power of code switching and the fact that this kid knew, I can't say what I really said. Right. One thing about cussing, uh, is like, like the Kirk Franklin thing that's going on right now. Oh my goodness. Like, because it, cause here's the thing. Like, I, I grew up, you know, Baptist church, small town, uh, Crockett, Texas, population probably like 7,000. We was in church every Sunday and Wednesday. Um, we grew up, my grandmother made sure we was in church. And my grandmother's one of the biggest cussers. <laughs> Sailors. Got off the church bus and taught, <laughs> and taught Sunday school. Taught it so well that I refused... Like, I refuse to move up in classes because <laughs> being around my grandmother so much. Like, for real. Like, I was probably 10 still in the six-year-old class. Like, I refuse <laughs> to to go on. I love my grandmother that much. But at the same time, like, all my aunties, mm-hmm. like, they, they, you know what I'm saying? Aunties, for, for the uh, code-switching purposes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all my aunties, like, when they, man, when they, as soon as... We got home. You was probably getting cussed out for uh, reaching, grabbing a piece of chicken too quick. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, so I think with sometimes, like I said, it's about judgment. And even in Kirk Franklin case, like we we think we or we put people on these pedestals, and and we forget that they are still people, so to speak. Yeah. You know. So it, so I think in, when when and, and even when we're talking about cussing and we're talking about that thing, like people have an image of how you're supposed to um, act. And and B, when you are a teacher or right. a prince or um, um, a, um, what is it, religious. A Christian or any, any kind of person of religious status, yeah. Exactly. And so in that code switch, and that's why we'll get the labels of like Uncle Tom or, or uh, you know, when you, when you are code switching or when you are um, talking in proper English, so to speak. Right you get those labels because people tend to judge you and they're not thinking of of what they have to do on a daily basis, so to speak. So it's um it's one of those things, man, like even with, with the cuss words that you are you you're you're code switching when you're not using them. And so it 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 people people forget that that's not the norm. <laughs> like right. that's not that's not what our culture is and, and how we grew up. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I said, that uh, all Christians just out here cussing up a storm, but from my experience, <laughs> from my experience, the family that I grew up is not uncommon, is what we say. Not, not, it wasn't <laughs> when I when I heard him, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's my auntie right there." Okay, fifty <laughs> percent of this episode is just going to be us cracking up. I hope y'all are laughing with us because this is I'm dead right now. And here's another thing too, right? Is um, I saw, oh my gosh, on the side of like we could talk about the Kirk Franklin situation so much because um, it, it's such a big topic right now, right? And for those of you who are like, what happened? Kirk Franklin's son um, recorded him cussing him out, uh, and so. I I am not one to say, like, in that situation, what's right or wrong. But I will just like Riley say that it was not uncommon to hear that. Like, our parents cussed when they spoke. Um, They cussed when they were happy. They cussed at our football and basketball and cheerleading, everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, those were Mm. normal things that we heard. And it was no different when the tone changed to anger. And so mm-hmm. that's more so what I want to say as opposed to whether or not what he did was right or wrong. Or I'm saying culturally, it's not something that we are not used to. Now, yes. y'all ain't got to go out and cancel us because we're trying to promote something. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but it is a valuable conversation to have, especially within our community about is this toxic? Is this not toxic? Is culture like what is culture? What is toxicity? What is, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And ooh, baby, and- that's a whole other topic. But yeah, keep going. And to keep it an even playing field, like on that situation too, is like the son mentioned counseling and which in our community is also like 
a no no. Right. And like where you where even with Kurt, he was like, you know, we 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 were in counseling, you quit counseling. Like things like that. Like we feel as though you can pray it all away or you can you're all your problems, you just take them to Jesus and he'll fix them as opposed to like maybe Jesus is giving you this um this opportunity to go through counseling to to get better. My right. wife showed me um, I think it's a clip from a movie with um, Morgan Freeman, and it was so dope because he said, um, "Do you?" He asked questions. He said, "Do you think that when you pray for patience, that God gives you patience, or He gives you opportunities to be patient, or when you uh, when you pray for uh, forgiveness, do you think God gives you forgiveness, or is He giving you opportunities to be forgiving?" Right. And it changes your mindset of like when you're when you're in these situations that you are uh, you're you're more mindful of how you react and how you deal with certain situations because he's going to give you those experiences to better yourself and maybe counseling is one of those experiences to better yourself you know what I mean I completely agree um man we this is it's it's so loaded and it's been just so good and I, you know what just going back really quick, this is, now I'm just going all the way back, but I wanted to share one thing, one more thing about code switching, because I think that this is super important. Um, Riley, so there's a group on Facebook that we're both a member of, and one time this lady, um, non-melanated woman, she put, she posted this video, and it was of um, these two people, and I don't know if you remember this, Riley, or if you even saw it, but... Um, she, it was a, a a a black woman and her brother and they had like knocked out or like punched this dude this black dude who was robbing a, an elderly white guy like the elderly white guy was walking out of the bank and the dude had like snatched the money from him uh the mm-hmm. black dude snatched the money from him so the the sister and the brother both black they ran after him and the brother basically knocked him out and they had like mm-hmm. kind of citizens arrested the dude and were waiting well the whole time the sister um is is recording everything and she's kind of i mean she done turned into like uh Don Lemon she just reporting all the news she like you know telling us everything but here was the issue because the lady who posted it she said well what do you guys think about this and I already knew where it was going because the girl who posted the video one she was everything that they would define as ghetto right she was like this nigga out here he done robbed somebody my brother and me we said we ain't having that and da 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 so she going off about what the dude did and how they had to come you know handle business like brother came up punched the dude and gave the older the older white dude back his money. So what she wanted and everybody, you know, everybody black and brown reading this, I mean watching the video is like, what like what is it that you want us to say? They did a great thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And so she was like, Well, I think it was good, but I just I'll reserve my opinion. So I'm like, nah, don't reserve them. Come on, let us know. So yeah. She was like, well, I just think the language that she used, right? Because she was using the N-word all up and through the video. He did this Mm -hmm. and he did that and da-da-da, right? But, like, she was so focused on the language that she couldn't get over the fact that they helped a guy. They literally stopped this dude, Mm -hmm. right? And so Mm -hmm. it goes back to everything we're saying is that even in moments of heroic actions, Right. Mm -hmm. Where we are helping people. I mean, the the dude, the white dude was old. I was like, I don't know where your family at that let you go to this bank and get this money out by yourself. Yeah. But, sir, they never need to do that again because he was like putting the money, trying to put the money in his wallet. And like they it was crazy. But you get all the aftermath. But the sister again, you know, she um, she was explaining everything. So she was so focused on the language. And this is what I really have to go back to when we talk about code switching is there is this struggle that no matter how much good we do, no matter what it is that we're trying to achieve and accomplish, that the world will still see. But she talked like this, though. Mm-hmm. Right. But she 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 said the N word. Did you not hear it was laced? It was a profanity laced video. And I'm mm-hmm. like, they they saved this dude like they helped this dude. Right. Yeah. And. Yeah. And they <clears throat> they corrected someone from their own community because in the whole time that was their whole thing as in the video she's like we have you know we need to do our we need to help our own community this man in our community did it you know like 
she had this entire like incredible message of community and and you know not standing idly by when these things happen but to join in and all this lady focused on was but she ghetto right because mm-hmm. that's how they love to treat us and mm-hmm. so all the questions that we've asked and everything that we've talked about this is why I struggled now mind you like I said I can't say that I don't code switch because mm-hmm. I for so many years of my life that's all I knew was code switching so it's easier for me to code switch than to not code switch, if I'm being honest. Like, mm-hmm. even though I'm more com- comfortable not code switching, it's easier to just code switch in certain situations and almost always, you know what I'm saying? Um, because that's how I've been trained. It took, when I stopped code switching, it took a more of an effort, right? Like, I had to be more cognizant of, oh, wait, I'm talking like this, go back. Oh, wait, yeah. you're doing it again, go back, right? Um, to try to be true to myself. I think that as black people, we're always surviving. We're always trying to to do what will get us ahead and keep us safe, right? Yeah. Um, Riley, I can I just can't say thank you enough for everything that you do, for everything how you say it, um, for what you do for our kids and for the world. Um y'all really, really need to follow Riley. Can you give um Instagram or Facebook or anything? Yeah, man, you can follow me on um, IG. It's Mr. Riley 06. And then just hit me up on Facebook. You can search my name. Um, and honestly, you will have to search Turbulence, which is a whole nother uh, form of code switching. Uh, Turbulence <laughs> is my name. Uh, Turbulence Braymod Riley, actually. I hope that this has felt like a conversation that you have been part of, that you um, can resonate with in your everyday life, because I know this is what we do. Um, but I am, I am excited um, because we're going to have plenty more of these discussions of assimilation and what that looks like and, you know, how to stay true to ourselves, uh, even though we have to do things, right? And there are certain things that we, we have chosen and said, okay, this is what we resign, right? Yeah. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I am your host, Felicia Jimenez. Guys, y'all already know what it is. Um, Every single time you listen, each one teach one, I need you to reach out, um, share this information. Also, follow me on um, Instagram and Facebook at Black Joy and Bootstraps. Until next time, 